What's up, everybody? It's Lee, otherwise known as Intuition, and you're listening to Kind of Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in. Episode 25, we're at our quarter century. It's amazing. It's going. It's going. We're doing it. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the board, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery, Mr. Database at I Am Database. Both of us have the same Instagrams, slanging them filters. You know how we do. You can follow us as a unit on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat. And then, of course, you can find us at our content portal, kindaneat.net. I know a few, uh, like, oh, shit, it must be like fucking seven episodes ago now. I mentioned that, like, we're trying to redesign our logo and stuff. And some of you guys have submitted, like, probably maybe like five or six submissions. I haven't quite found that one yet. So if you guys still want to submit, you guys can feel free. It's going to just be an ongoing process. When somebody gives me one where I'm like, whoa, holy shit, like, I'll pick it. And for those of you that have submitted so far, thank you so much for your contributions. I do appreciate them. And there are a couple of them that I thought were really fucking tight but just not quite what i'm looking for yet so keep working i appreciate it today we have on rhetoric ramirez rhetoric is an og there's really no other way to put it like he's been in la doing the rap shit and we go way back into history in this one and it was for a rap nerd like me it was super tight to hear about like early run-ins with fucking will i am and like seeing Merce back in like 95 and shit like it's crazy that that stuff is uh the lore of rap nerds like me like we we love it rhetoric is also known for uh, you know in the la scene for a while he was knocking some fools out here and there and and i've talked about it before like i'm not much of a fighter we talk about fighting a little bit on here i don't really have that rage in me but i do want to tell you guys the story of the only time i've punched somebody in the face because i think it's kind of funny so back in like Oh six. I was still living in Santa Barbara, but I was coming down to Santa Barbara for shows all the time. And uh, there used to be a place back then cracking called the Terrace in Pasadena. It's still going on. I don't know that it cracks as much anymore, but shout out to the Terrace. And so for a while, they were having no can host shows. And then I started going a lot. And then I was hosting shows on nights that he couldn't host. And so we became fixtures around there. And it was my first taste of like feeling like Mr. Cool Guy that could get into any show that he wanted. And I was seeing all these artists that I I really liked and like you know the bouncers were cool to me i never had to wait in lines the bartenders were like always nice pretty girls and they would give me free drinks and you know we were on stage all the time getting to rap and getting to crack jokes and it was tight so one night i can't remember what show it was at but this was like the time you know i've had some embarrassing outfits in my past and this was uh, back in the time like 2006 when kanye was first starting to kind of like really get huge i remember i was wearing this sweater that i had found at some fucking boutique on melrose and i was it was like an argyle sweater that went from um it was like cream colored at the bottom then it went to brown then it went to pink so it was like neapolitan ice cream and then it had a couple of diamonds on it that were orange and it had like a little uh, a crest on the chest and everything and i remember i was wearing uh you know like i said there were some pink diamonds in the argyle so i was wearing a pink shirt underneath like a button up and then i had a fucking tie on i was really trying to i was like getting my fucking uh fonsworth bentley on that night i was looking like a real fucking i don't even know it was like some real yuppie shit like but at the time it was very forward thinking like the homie kale who i'm eventually gonna have on the podcast he used to be very much like, you know, you like my only white friend with style. Like, he always thought that I was one of the best dressed in L.A. I think he made, like, a MySpace post about it. Like, put me as one of the best dressed indie rappers in L.A. So, you know, shout outs to fucking Kale for recognizing uh, Game Recognized Game and all that. So I was dressed up that night. And 
for some reason, there was this real rowdy couple of guys that were there. And this was still at a time when, like, outside of the shows, ciphers would crack off. And so this dude was out here ciphering, and he was, like, a real, like, rowdy. I think he was an Armenian dude, and he was with a really tall, lanky white dude, like, who had red hair. He must have been probably 6'4", but but real skinny. And then the Armenian dude was probably, like, I don't know, five. He was, like, my size. He's, like, you know, six foot or 5'11", and, uh, you know, built pretty much like me. And somehow, th- this dude is outside being real rowdy, the Armenian dude. He's, like, being real rowdy, like, rapping at people, but rapping, like... He could rap, but he had no, like, he wasn't graceful at rapping. He was rhyming his words, but he wasn't tight. But he had a group of, like, cheerleaders with him. Like, the the tall, redheaded dude was one of them. And then he had a couple other dudes that he was with that were, like, saying, Oh, my God, he's so tight. Listen to how fucking tight he is. He's so tight. Oh, my God. And he's rapping against world-class dudes like No Can. And um, somehow they get to battling. And, like, the battle, it, like, Sometimes in street battles, like when you have a group of cheerleaders around you, you don't get to get your uh, the opponent doesn't get to get their lines off like they should. And so, you know, I noticed that uh, James was getting a little flustered, like because all this whack shit that this Armenian dude was saying was getting all this love and the shit that James was saying, they were like booing and shit, which is inappropriate. And so it was like me and uh, the homie aspect one and James and a few other people were sitting there listening to the battle. And then eventually it was like the show was getting over and it got to this point where it was like, all right, cool. We can't stand in front of the venue anymore let's go around the corner in battle right let's go let's go around the corner and it became a thing of like i could feel it was bubbling like something was gonna happen some somebody was gonna end up fighting like it was getting tense you know what i'm saying and so we go around this corner to another street in pasadena and it becomes a all right that's it no crowds now like you two just battle and let's see who really will win and so james is battling and he's rapping 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 and then the armenian guy gets to rapping and he starts rapping and then he says something uh, along the lines of i hang n words like the kkk this is a for all intents and purposes a white dude going Going, I hang N-words like the KKK. And at that point, everybody goes, oh, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, one of the homies gets pissed off and somebody pushes somebody and then punches are thrown. And all of a sudden, it was just a full on melee breaks around me. It just all happened so fast that I'm kind of standing there with a flabbergasted look on my face, uh, just going like, wait, oh, shit, who what should I who should I punch? What should I do? And I turn to the side and this uh, the tall, lanky, redheaded kid. As a side note, at this tall, lanky, redheaded kid, I had called him a couple. I told him to, like, shut his cracker ass up at one point, which, like, offended him because he's like what the fuck man you're white too and i'm like yeah but i'm not that white i was very confused at the time apparently and so like i also called him tintin like i thought he looked like tintin the cartoon character he kind of looked like a tall lanky version of tintin and so uh yeah we had already had our little our little shouting matches together at the original uh during the original part of the battle and so all of a sudden i looked to my right I'm left-handed, so I look to my right, kind of over my right shoulder, and here goes the redheaded dude about to kick one of my friends in the face who had fallen on the ground. So I used to play some baseball. I know how to throw. I've never really thrown a punch, but I know how to, like, throw. So I treated it like I had just picked up a grounder from the outfield, and I fucking crow-hopped. Like, I just lifted up my right leg skipped a couple times on my back left leg and I fucking threw a punch like I was trying to throw somebody out at home plate from left field and I fucking walloped him I hit him so goddamn hard I'm ashamed to say he didn't fall over like I hit him hard enough to where my hand hurt and he kind of stumbled 
he stumbled and he looked like a drunk person for a second. Like he tried to brace himself, like he was gonna fall over, and then it just seemed like slow motion. He looked over him and he goes, "Why'd you do that?" And I start fucking cracking up. And at that point, somebody starts yelling, "Yo, police are coming! Police are coming!" And so everybody starts to run off. And so that was it. We never really got to keep throwing hands. It was just like I fucking socked him. I guess maybe it was kind. Of, I don't know if that's a sucker punch or not. I feel like he was gonna kick my friend in the face while he was on the ground. So he definitely saw the punch coming, but there was pretty much nothing he could have done about it. And basically, my punch intercepted a kick to the face. And man, I hit him hard. And and the funny thing is, uh. This girl that was promoting at the terrace at the time, I really liked her. She's a very nice girl. I thought word was going to get back to her that like, oh, you know, Lee and all of his friends were fighting behind the thing. So I was like all worried that she was like going to be pissed and we weren't going to be invited back to the terrace anymore. But then it turns out she called me. She's like, oh, my God, I want to apologize so much for that fight that broke out. Those two dudes, I actually know them from school. Like they go to school with me and they're fucking assholes. And I don't and like I don't know why they were there. And I'm so sorry. And she's like, I actually saw the red headed dude the next day at school and he had a big fucking bruise on his face and i was like fuck yeah because that was my bruise and so uh yeah that happened and uh the thing that i remember most about it is like the next time i saw kale he goes i'll tell you what man i don't know why you threw that punch because i would never get I would never let any blood get on that elegant motherfucking sweater. And I was like, that's a good point. I should have been more careful about not getting blood on the sweater. I didn't get any blood on the sweater. But that sweater is embarrassing as fuck, and I hope no pictures of it ever surface on the internet. And so anyway, that is my story of the only time I've ever punched somebody in the face. Now, back to uh, my man that we had in here today, Rhetoric. Like I said, this conversation, it went by really fast. We did like an hour and 15 minutes, but it felt like a half an hour. And I feel like those are always the best conversations. So when they go by fast, I feel like they're very interesting. And I got sucked into him telling stories about uh, back in like 95, going to Foundation and the go- going to Good Life and going to Project Blowed and like just crazy stories. So I think that you guys uh, will enjoy this podcast if you're a rap nerd like me. And without any further ado, let's get right into it. This is my conversation with Rhetoric Ramirez. I felt like we were uh, in an episode of Saturday Night Live trying to get you here, man. Yeah. <laughs> you started from as far as, as far away in L.A. as you could possibly yeah, could to man. get here because we're in Atwater and you started in Santa Monica. Yeah. It was just like some cliche fucking L.A. traffic yeah. shit. Yeah. You know, take Marana Del Rey. The other week uh, I, have, I had Blockhead on and uh, he's a New Yorker, of course. And uh-huh. like it was the day after the big explosion over here. Did you hear about that? What big explosion? Like, like basically, uh, a car ran into a gas truck. The gas <laughs> truck tilted over, fucking explodes. Nobody gets hurt, but like literally, the gas was flowing into the sewers, so the sewers were on fire, <laughs> and they had to like shut everything down on this side of the city. So like, fucking, the traffic over here, right where the studio is, yeah. uh, like on where the five and the two intersect, it was completely shut down. So <laughs> he's staying like what should be a two minute drive from here and it turned into an hour to get there and and it was just like i felt horrible because here's here like this new york dude getting the cliche la traffic you yeah know what i'm saying like fucking terrible that's a fucking michael bay causes those things to yeah. happen oh right? yeah it, it was straight up <laughs> you was, think michael bay is like low-key like a terrorist and like it's just like he's practicing in his movies he just 
practices. Yeah, it. that'll be in the next Michael Bay. He movie. does all the logistical planning. Yeah, in Bad Boys Seven, it'll be like, okay, we gotta have a car, right? And it'll hit be, a fucking hit a hit a gas truck. Yeah, and it'll be foreshadowing of what his plan is in real life. He's like a fucking for real. Like, it's like in what is it like Loaded Gun or something when they're like doing car chases and they're like they're like right next to the it's like the oh the glass panel shop and so there's like people walking glass panels across and they're just running through them and shit like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, what were you doing in Santa Monica? Oh, man. Just fucking, yeah, I live out there now, so. Oh, you stay out there now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's tight. How do you like it? The west side? Ah, it's, it's, yeah, I move around a lot, man, just, uh, but for work and shit. So now living out there is, it's cool. It's all fucking yuppies and shit. Yeah. You know, I'm like the only person with tattoos. Yeah. yeah. Well, you move around a lot. Like, where, were you born and raised in LA? Uh, I, well, I know. I was born in New York. I was born in Washington Heights, Manhattan. Okay. And then um, I moved here when I was 10. I came out here for like three months to Highland Park in like 88 just to see what it was like. And yeah. then, you know, I, then we moved out to like Highland Park and Glendale. What were you folks doing in New York? Did your folks meet out in New York or that, is that where they're from? My folks met in Dominican Republic. Oh, no shit. So and then they, you know, immigrated here. And yeah. then, you, you know, yo, you're Dominican? Yeah. Oh, I thought you was Mexican, B. <laughs> you just, don't have like LA, a point of reference, huh, man? In L.A., I feel like you just assume everyone's yeah. Mexican. Yeah, you end up just everything becomes Mexican. Yeah. Everything yeah. you do. Sometimes just to keep it to keep it funky, like when I'm talking to a girl that I think is Mexican, I'll be like, yeah. I'll ask her if maybe she's Salvadorian or Guatemalan just so I look more cultured. But then they just get offended because they're like, I'm Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> Damn fool! I don't have that kind of charm to fuck it up like that, and then re recover. Yeah, you got to regroup, and then you recover from it. Yeah, right? yeah. and then you still get it. If they get mad, if they get mad, then you got to then you really got to turn on the oh, charm. Oh man! You know? But anyways, your folks are from the Dominican Republic. Yeah. When did they immigrate over to the states? Seventies. Uh, In the seventies. Yeah. Was that a process for them, or was it just kind of like? easy man honestly i i kind of don't know you know the process that's, that's fucked up right but um you know they kind of just they don't have to you know it's like flying a plane and then they go through the process you yeah. know with the visa and everything it's not yeah. like it's not the same i don't think you know they have the u.s has the same kind of uh you know um, it's probably more strict now focus i mean yeah but, you know it's just i don't know it like you know it all but yeah, that you know, all nationalities that kind of start going to places where they know their people are going right, to be. So right. then, Washington Heights was that whole area. It was all Dominicans. Yeah, it became all. First, it was you know Jew, and yeah. then it just Dominicans just yeah. kind of came in in the seventies. So they did the whole Ellis Island thing, like they flew in and got legal and whatever, whatever, and then moved to Washington Heights. That's a fucking man. I feel like an ignorant. You're making me feel like an ignorant ass non-historical <laughs> motherfucker. <man. laughs> no, the only reason I just know the only thing I know well, about you New don't York, know your culture. No, nah, nah, the only reason I like my great grandparents had to do that thing that like uh, yeah. all the Italians they had to come through Ellis Island and yeah. whatever, whatever you know, fucking yeah. go. See that's what we taught in school and shit yeah. i don't know if that worked out for dominicans like that yeah I don't for know. sure uh, <laughs> i don't know what, what did your folks do while they were in new york shit man well, you know well first my mom was a teenager yeah. so um you know she's just going to school right yeah. so she came when she was like you know 12 oh so she came over with her folks yeah right yeah, yeah. so my grand so my grandmother here now before like my grandmother uh shit i think she came even earlier like she was just like working in factories okay you know just so factory so like my grand my grandfather he worked you know um making like bootleg watches and shit yeah, yeah. yeah so he was like a watch repair maker for that for a company okay and then so my grandmother was in like i don't know in garments or something but something factory you know they were working in factories as right immigrants, right so right 
So both of your folks came over when they were teens and and like went to school here and shit. Well, see, now my mom was here. My my mom went back to the Dominican Republic. She met my dad. Oh, okay. And then 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 my dad, you know, came with her. Okay. You know, so and um, you know, yeah. So so they're living in New York. What did dad do when he got when he got to the states? Man, honestly, I don't know. And I know he's in Dominican Republic right now. Oh, you know, okay. I'm gonna see him in September. But yeah. I mean, I really don't know his history so perfectly. You know? Did your folks split up when you were? Yeah, young? yeah, well, yeah. How old were you when they split? Wow, well, they were like. I don't know, man. I was real young. You were young. I was like, yeah, I was like a baby. Yeah, yeah. So did you keep in contact with? Your yeah, dad? yeah. He would come in to my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was uh, like there, you know, like visitation kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. When they split, did he go right back to the Dominican? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, he yeah. was around enough. Like he was there. You know, like yeah, yeah. I mean, he. You know, but um, you know, my mom was eighteen. You know, she was eighteen when she had me. She was going to like. She was going to like, uh, you know, one of those, like, she got accepted into one of those, in LA it would be like a magnet school, yeah. you know, like one of those like Juilliard kind of schools. Okay, yeah, and yeah. she was, you know, for art and, and she's doing really good when she had me. She, you know, didn't do that. She stopped, you know, and, uh, yeah, and just had to work. And then just life kind of took over from there, you know, the classic uh, example. So it was like kind of New York, New York in the eighties kind of thing, Washington Heights in the eighties, fucking just everything, you know, you could like picture New York in the eighties to be like a scary spot. It was like all of that. It was it was that feeling and that excitement. I know that when I see it in movies, it feels the same way that it felt like when I was a kid. It's, it's really weird to say that, but like even if I watch Beat Street, I still feel that shit. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Like, but and then yeah, the bad, the negative stuff, real, real negative. Because I mean, you know, my mom got like she was victim of like two like home robberies. Oh shit! And then you know, so she kind of like transferred that kind of worriness to me and in new york is the kind of place you know every door has like several padlocks yeah, and then yeah. a steel bar kind of shit and motherfuckers crawling through the windows like, right well so, yeah like similar like i just mentioned like blockhead said growing up in new york you're very aware of your surroundings because it seems like someone's always trying to get over on you or something back yeah. then. you know what i mean do you remember growing up there a lot yeah i remember i'll i remember you know i just man for me honestly because my childhood was kind of fucked it was kind of dreary for me. You know, I yeah. had there was nice points. I remember great, you know, cool things. But it's, it all started for me when I came out here. Yeah. Because I was able to grow. But Can we go to some of the dreary parts? Yeah, no, fool, you, yeah. I don't give a fuck. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like Crack to Crack files in the streets. No, <laughs> but, no, I mean, I feel like you can get a lot of a sense of um, who someone is by, like, you know, where they come from and, yeah. and what happened in their experiences. And so I'm always interested in that sort of shit. So if you're willing to go there, yeah, I would yeah. love to go there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, so like, you know, dad takes off and, like, did you have a male role model? Was your grandfather kind of there for mm -hmm. you? I mean, you know, my, my grand grandmother grandfather you know that was that was that you yeah. know um they live right right next door yeah so um was it was it one of those things where since your mom's so young they kind of almost seem like the parents yeah but then there was like some kind of like you know my mom wanted to you know she was also doing fine just kind of raising me yeah um and then working you know just just real kind of hard working mindset kind of yeah. you know you got to do it you know right so but um you know i just just for me, what I remember with uh, I remember school. School was really dramatic for me because um, I got I didn't know any English, so nobody fucking you know nobody. Everybody. My mom was like learning learning English, and she learned it. But the thing about it is, is you know when my mom was working, it was with my grandma, and I didn't know a fucking word of English. Yeah, so. and that shit's tough because I remember I think. 
kids are so fucking mean. You know what I'm saying? Like kids are mean to people, or like to to things they don't understand. And so I like I think uh, I think a lot of people like when there's kids in like ESL and shit like that. When you're in elementary school, like they're like, oh, that kid doesn't speak English. He's dumb. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I don't. Man, I had well, there was that too. But you know, I had like a you know, I had to, like so you get thrown into school and they leave you, yeah. and then you're like, you see kids crying. I was just kind of freaking out all myself, and then it was just real overwhelming because yeah. you know, it's like you know, you that neighborhood you don't have to really learn English. It's its own world, right? So my grandmother never fucking learned English. She really? she you know, rest in peace. She died no only knowing Spanish. Wow. And like so, she stayed in New York the whole time? Yeah, in Washington Heights. I mean, they go, you know what they do? The grandparents, they go to the Dominican Republic in the summer. Mm. That's what they do. Mm. That's their thing. Mm. Anyway, I mean, in the winter oh, okay, for a yeah. little bit. Yeah, and yeah. then they come back and yeah. whatever in the spring, summer, right, right. maybe a little fall. Anyway, so shit, you know, some snapshots, shit that I remember. Um, like you get thrown into school, you don't speak any English, but there's you know, no like English program that they're putting you into. Like, I, man, there something? was nah, there was. How, how did you learn English? There wasn't. And you just fucking learn that shit little wow. by little, yeah. you know, little little by little, and yeah. you know. Um, did you have any like little youngster friends that like brought you under their wing to try and teach you shit or what? No, I remember just kind of like not understanding shit yeah. and just kind of like, and then but my mom told me later that like. Like I thought I was doing fine, you know what I mean? Like my mom told me later that she was she was just like um you know, we would always have to get, you know, talk to you, you know, like the prince, you know, you would always get like reports from the teacher, they pull you aside, have meetings with us. So um apparently I had like a lot of learning disabilities and uh. I like I was very kind of like uh outburst-ish, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like kid and so it was like, you know, and I'm like left-handed. So, you know, I don't know if a lot of things like they, you know, I had like a like heavy dyslexia as a as a kid. Yeah. So there was language and then learning disability shit. Oh, wow. And so I guess, you know, really the person who my mom really uh she's the reason that, you know, I kind of speak so well, I guess. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, she kind of took time. You guys started learning English together? You know, she, I know she like learned it before me. And then, you know, there was just me kind of like crash coursing it when I finally stepped out of the environment into school. Yeah. You know, and I mean, but there was all Dominican kids in class. So I didn't feel like I was alone. But at the same time, it was just still difficult, man, you know. And then the school is a weird conditioning in New York, man. Like the PSs, you know, there's like, which which all schools are abbreviated with a PS, which which means means public school. And then they'll put the number. Okay. So I forget it was P.S. something fucking something. But there was just, you know, there was all gates and shit. This is fucking kindergarten elementary. Yeah. Fucking gates and gates in the stairs. It looked like a fucking jail. I remember it being like a fucking jail. And then, you know, in the morning when school start, you line up and you got people fucking yelling at you. And then there's little Dominican kids and Dominican kids. I just they're like, you know, they're raised real macho. Yeah. And so they're like fighting each other, but like in a circle betting on each other. Wow. So that was that. Was that that at was that age? Yeah, I that's remember crazy. that. Yeah, no, I fucking clearly remember that yeah. shit. And that's got to be a trip going to a school like that where it looks like a jail and it's probably more to keep like bad people out, but it almost seems like it's there to keep the good people in or something. It's like, all over like, the like, fucking place, you know what I mean? man. Yeah, it was all over the fucking place. And I just remember just I hate I never, ever liked school. So yeah. it was always like that for me. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And but, you know, I, I think that uh, I think nobody understood my ass anyway. I was one of those, you know. Yeah, were you kind of a loner? I don't know. I think I think I I think one of the things is is I felt I always felt like nobody got me anyway. Yeah. So like from a young age, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and and so like they you know like uh you know um you know like fucking you know like my first time I remember like watching like 
fucking the Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. What's yeah. that Pee Wee Herman movie? Pee-wee's Big, Big Adventure. Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking when I learned how you know I know you are, but what am I? Like oh, that's yeah. all I fucking said. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're like. You know, I was like, I don't know. It was like my friend was like really like TV, 80s movies and shit. Yeah. Like, you know, Lord knows they wouldn't let me fucking play baseball with him either. Like all the fucking kids in my neighborhood, they wouldn't let me touch a fucking baseball bat. I was just kind of like a weird introvert kind of artist. I was always drawing. Yeah. I was always drawing kind of shit. So, you know, I was just definitely <laughs> in my own world. You yeah. Know? And yeah. at that age where you get it, were you like kind of roaming around on your own at all? Like, or was it like stay on the stoop? Like, what was, what was yeah, it? Yeah. Well, it was, it was just kind of like they were kind of like the neighborhood was so kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, you know, no, you can't, you know, go out alone mm-hmm. kind of shit. And, you know, so what I would do a lot is, you know, we, me, me and my friends, we would play in the building. So it was like, you know, like, was it like a high rise? Yeah. It was eight floor tenement. Okay. And then, you know, you just play tag or some shit or you play baseball in the middle part with the alleyway or, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, it was just, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, this, this thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So. Did you guys grow up heavy Catholic? Yeah, it was just heavy Catholic and stuff. You know, actually my, my, uh, my dad and my mom, they were actually, my dad is Buddhist. No shit. But still the heavy Catholic kicks in because they baptized me Buddhist. Oh. What? That's so, I mean, yeah. So, there's yeah. a lot of, you know, Asian influence. Yeah, yeah. It's in, like a... The, in, there's a lot of Buddhists in, you know, Latin America. So, you know... I he, didn't know that. Mm, he kind of, like, baptized me Buddhist. But then, you know, it's just... You can't get away from the cat, c- Catholic. You yeah. Know, you can't get away from the Catholicism yeah. when you're around it so much. So, everything kind of becomes Catholic. Yeah, all my family is, like, East Coast Italians from, from like, um, the Jersey-Pennsylvania border. And uh-huh. so, it was, like, they're heavy Catholics. So, like the first some of the first words i learned were prayers you know guilt? what i mean oh yeah guilt yeah that was one of the first words that affected me i'm sure but like yeah i remember like my great grandmother what i remember of her is like her teaching me the lord's prayer and our father and all mm. that and i was like her little prodigy because she'd be like oh look what i taught lee eric i taught him his prayers you know <laughs> that's like some of my earliest language memories is like memorizing those those are the first raps that i memorized maybe but yeah but you you guys weren't going to like church all the time and all no the time. you know what's funny is like when i would get when my uh, my father would visit me we mm-hmm. would go to like buddhist temple mm-hmm. in you know in, in new york that's shit. interesting yeah. so yeah. every once in a while i don't know what it was you know i yeah. think it just made it so every girlfriend I ever had was asian yeah <laughs> true yeah for real yeah, man yeah, like it was just a weird you know yeah you know, catholic enough but asian still yeah i feel you, you know. so what was it that made you guys migrate to la well you know uh my stepfather who you know so you're on reburied yeah, my mom, yeah, remarried. So okay. my stepfather kind of brought us out here for work. I don't Word. know what the fuck he was doing, but yeah. How old were you when, when she remarried? When she was oh, 10? my bad. No, oh. that was early. That was like five. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay, so, so did you and your stepfather get along? <laughs> well, you know, that was the messed up shit because, you know, it was like, you know, it was a rough situation with that. So my stepdad was, you know, kind of like this very charming kind of span this very charming spaniard man from barcelona mm. and um very intelligent very intelligent very ex-military um guy from you know, the spanish military and you know so he was a very interesting clever uh, intense charming and eventually just overall just kind of controlling and abusive to me as you were describing him i'm going this can only go bad from here <laughs> This can only go bad. Yeah, but yeah. he never. I mean, the thing is, is uh, the funnier, the funniest of all things is like he never kind of like he never had to hit me. He kind of had my head. He had me so well mentally that yeah. like he, I was terrified of even crying in front of him. Really? Yeah. Why did he? Did he like 
prove himself one time and then you and then you learned your lesson or what like what do you mean yeah well yeah and i mean he kind of established that real early mm -hmm. and he established like who was kind of boss early mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and so then you know little by little he kind of made you know, kind of like the white man does. Yeah, <laughs> just lays the whip down. So, yeah. you, so I mean, was the abuse then more mental in the long run? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, because it was like all fear, fear based and psychological fear. Yeah, uh, you know, based and you know, and so you know, it was it was kind of like. Did you they know. end up having kids together, your mom and stepfather? No. So you don't have Oh, yeah, my oh. bad. Whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah. My sisters? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I can't say I blocked shit out, but yeah, my, my, I got my two sisters. So you got two younger sisters? My two younger sisters. And, but did he kind of... Uh, they, those were daddy's girls and you were kind of well uh, see i was always i was um that was later when we moved to kind of like la you yeah. know like so basically like you know me and my sister was born 89 uh, my first sister you know uh, was like 22 now okay so, and then my other sister you know so basically like my other sister is like you know 19 mm. yeah so you were like a fucking young adult by i the got time the they were born fucking brunt of it all and then you know he was like four years and then by after they were born like he was you know that was it yeah you know so then so i was like 14 so then i was like a fucking basically a mess after that motherfucker really? so then i had to kind of like i was already weird but but the thing about it is then i then was, became all weird and introverted and you know different you know so yeah. shit you know motherfuckers put you in a bathroom put you in a closet put you make you you know yell all the time shake you up make you you know just a lot of fear yeah shit so yeah. You know, constant shit like that. Yeah, t I mean, dude, yelling at kids can affect them the same as fucking beating them upside the head. You know? Yeah, it's well, all the same shit. Yeah, it was like uh, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it was, you know, it does different things. Yeah. So you can, you know, play around like that. I mean, w I don't... was mom aware of it? Like, did she know that you had a distaste for him, perhaps? I was terrified of the dude, man. I wouldn't, so even, you wouldn't even say, say a fucking thing. I would yeah. like basically like. You know, like, um, you know, it was like a lot of, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I got, like I said, like things like, you know, sleep in the bathroom, wow. you know, kind of like fucked up. Wow. So like, you know, it was just kind of always this confinement kind of like, I, you know, I kind of like, you know, have this weird kind of way about me because, you know, and, and I got to learn my way through that shit in life. You know? Is he still around? No. They divorced or like... We, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. They divorced, so... How old were you when, when they divorced? Probably like 14. Yeah. yeah. I mean, were you like kind of stoked? Yeah, I'm, I, it's, it was so bad that like I was... When it ended, I thought I was free, but I didn't want to like... I didn't want to like say it to myself yet, you know yeah. what I mean? But I was like so happy, like so excited. I didn't want to say it to myself yet, and just in case the motherfucker would come, come back, back, right? You didn't want to allow but I was to like, I was like, but yeah, I was like probably the, one of the happiest moments in no my entire life. Is he any part of your life at all at this point? Well, you know, it's like he's a part of my sister's life, yeah, which yeah. not in 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 a way that you know, I guess he he has his own family, so. You know, they, you know, they go over there. So everything is cool. You know, people, they change, you know, they, they fix their shit. Hopefully, if they're worth anything, they, they fix their shit or they try to and they change or they, you know, they give some space to the people that they did damage to. Cause, right. you know, so, you know, I guess that's cool, but you know, it's not, I'm not, you it's know, it's not like your best friend. I'm at not, this point. no, I'm not yeah. into that. Yeah. Know? So you move out here when you're 10 mm -hmm. and uh, what part of town do you guys move to? 
Well, we end up moving. So, you know, there's Highland Park, and we end up moving to Glendale. Oh, okay. So, so like, right out here. Where we're yeah, at. right out here. Yeah. So, you know, it was just kind of like Glendale in the 90s, and, you know, it was just like... So everyone just thought you were Armenian. <laughs> <laughs> for real. they all, No, they did. Yeah. yeah. And Armenians think I'm Armenian. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, yeah. Armenians think I'm Armenian, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that, you know, and just... Or Mexican. Yeah. You know? But yeah. it's it's either or, you know. So you're going to school out in Glendale when you got here? Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're what, fourth grade, fifth grade? Right. So it's elementary school, junior high, and high school. W- when you're that age, do you, are you, like, since uh, English is a second language, did you have, like, a heavy Spanish accent or anything? Well, no. By the time I came, I, you know, so, you know, by the time I was, like, eight, you know, mm. I actually was, I was, I knew you're good. English. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, by... I think fucking, yeah, def- definitely by like seven, yeah. you know what I mean? But you still speak Spanish too? Yeah, I speak Spanish. Nice. Yeah. It, you know, it's got to be useful in LA. Yeah, yeah. You know what though? But like, I tell you two things. I, like, one, I came here with a, with a New York accent. Uh-huh. So there was that. There was uh-huh. like, what the fuck, you know? And then the Spanish, when Dominicans talk, yeah, it's Spanish, but it's, it's a totally different it's accent. It's a different dialect or something. I'll like talk, or sometimes accent. I'll talk to like a Mexican. Yeah. And uh, they won't, they won't they'll respond saying. back in English. Oh, really? They're like, it's not like, I don't know if it's acceptable or, or nobody ever says anything. Like, I've never heard anybody say anything. But then, you know, then I get a lot of responses in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. So it was just an accent thing that's like know? yeah nothing yeah. too crazy nothing dramatic right, nothing right. you can make a movie out of that makes sense oh that's spanish that you know that gets discriminated against right, right. <laughs> that's funny what was school like out here it was a shit man well, because how, how was it a, what was the difference the fucking that you the difference is it wasn't a fucking jail yeah you know it wasn't some fucking fucking institution or it didn't feel like it because it was open you know there's like sunlight and shit you know there's sunlight yeah. like sociologically what was glendale like back in the early 90s like what was the was uh it, it was a good part of town it was supposed to be it wasn't a horrible part of town it was incredible compared to new york mm-hmm. it was incredible compared to washington heights mm-hmm. it was all that shit was good but like you know there was still like it was the 90s so there was like West Side Gang in Glendale, like kind of beefing with like with uh, with TVR, which is like the big gl- gang in like mm. Glendale mm-hmm. and Atwater kind of thing. Yeah, and um, there was like there was drive-bys, there was people hanging out, there was in th- anywhere you went in LA in the nineties, it would just be people kind of posted up and other people driving by. They raise their hands and then they shoot and or some or a party. I can't, man, like, honestly, like, both, I like, two of my girlfriends have gotten, like, have seen somebody get shot or have almost died from a bullet grazing, at, like, at a party. So wow. you meet anybody from here to fucking, from here to fucking the IE or a certain part of Orange County where mm-hmm. they went to a party in the 90s, they almost got shot or they heard about somebody getting shot or they heard a gunshot. No shit. Just because I didn't know it was just so prevalent crazy yeah, yeah that people you know so i mean there was stabbings in school there was like armenians versus the mexicans it was like but literally that was that shit was everywhere yeah you know where did you fit into all that man i'll tell you right now i was so when so by the time high school hit i was rapping uh-huh i was definitely rapping it was like you know like like you know ninth grade i was in it you know so i'd be taking the bus i was the only motherfucker that could take that didn't care about taking the bus because uh-huh. like i was like well pu- my mom was like why you know public transportation still like new york mindset a little bit yeah yeah 
And so I take the bus out, you know, first I started rapping at um, Poisonous Records in Hollywood. Mm. And then, so I had like a double life. So I'd go rap somewhere at night, go to the open mic and then, you know, um, and then go to school the next day. So yeah. that was my thing, you know, so that was my thing. And the other thing I was doing is I was into heavy graphic arts. So I was, you know, going to like go to school and build a portfolio for that shit. And you know, I just was like using school to get through school. And, you know, and move on. I wasn't really involved. Right. Yeah. Right. I never did prom. I never did none of that shit because I was just like, fuck all this shit. Yeah. You know? But you were able to avoid all the gang shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like that's that's the thing about, you know, once you're in an area like that, like you can get enough space to avoid it. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't have to. You're not in it so bad. I think a lot of areas, that's a, honestly a decision. Yeah. You know, unless you got your family or some shit, you know, either way it's still for a lot of people that even their families are like some kind of somebody, somebody's like, like their dad's a shot caller and they're like, they want to go the other way in life. They fucking can. In fact, it's welcomed by the dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like some dad, you know, did like did hard time, comes out of jail and says, well, I want my kid to do this. No, they want their kids to go the other way. Do so better. most people, you, you know what I mean? My mom, you know, coming from such a bad neighborhood. My mom was like, you know, please just graduate high school. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, do this. You know, they, they were just like, please, you know. So my mindset was honestly that. Because, yeah. I mean, because I left somewhere dr- to that to me was dreary and I came somewhere nice. And I says, fuck it. Like, let me make something out of my life. My That was in me since I was a kid. Right. So by the time you're speaking English in class and everything like that, like, do they pick up like on the fact that, oh, like he's dyslexic, like, but we can treat that because I know now you're a big reader. So like, when did all that shit start making sense to you reading and fucking? I mean, you know, I'm not like a big reader, you know, but like, I definitely, I don't, you know, I can say that, you know, people, people ask me if I've been to college, people ask me, oh, you, you know, do you have a degree? What's wow. Like you speak so well. And you know, I can't, honestly, that's my mom. My yeah. mom really sat with me with a dictionary and with school and just did that with me. Yeah. My mom's I'm mean, actually not very good at math and and I'm actually not good at math. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, so it was kind of like right brain kind of shit versus l- the left brain stuff that I was really weak on. So, you know, um, you know, they, they put you in a uh, they put you in a resource what they call a resource specialist program or special ed yeah whatever name they put it and so i was in special ed yeah all throughout up until like senior year oh no shit so you know but you go through make getting made fun of with shit like that you know you go through like you know uh you know so yeah. whatever you know yeah, and, yeah. and the high school for me was junior high was the roughest because i was definitely still poor yeah and i had i didn't i i wouldn't always be able to afford the, the clothes that you know other people could afford so right. I, re- I remember one time some dude he, he called me gi joe because i had like fake carl canais on and they were yeah. all green yeah and i like i just socked him <laughs> so yeah. that was life you know that's everybody that's an interesting thing that you brought up because like you're known to be a bit of a ruffian like <laughs> I've I've heard I've I, I don't know if I've ever seen it, but I've heard on more than one occasion of rhetoric knock somebody out. So like when when does that go all the way back to Washington Heights and people betting on each other? Like were you ever part of those fights in a circle? No, I, honestly, I, you know, I didn't really get into a a fist fight till I got out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, no, it's just it's just having a lot of anger anyway, mm-hmm. and then like nobody really kind of. 
I had I carry that anger on my shoulders. I carry that for a long time as a kid, mm. and then I just kind of kept my space. So I never kind of got mixed up with people. You know what I mean? I was kind of always on my own kind of path. You mm. know what I mean? I've mm. been Lone Ranger forever, mm. but I definitely snapped at people. You know, mm. I did. You know, I like chase kids with bats and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like I, I snapped a lot of times when i snapped i snapped and you know and then that's because it's you what it is is you hold a lot of anger from what you felt you could have done something when you were you know four feet tall to an adult who was punking you like he, he was his, his size so you hold that for the day that gonna, somebody I, fucks with i was you. gonna say like i feel like as an adult when you're a fighter it's like you're never really fighting the person that you're punching it's like you're fighting that vision of whatever it is you hate in your head whether it be your dad or your stepdad or whatever like it's mm-hmm. always kind of part of it always is like you're snapping on that like yeah is there any rel- is there any truth to that sure yeah there's that you can carry that that anger mm-hmm. um you can you know carry all kinds of weird you know sociopathic approaches to it you know where you fucking mm-hmm. you freak out or you go berserk or not i mean honestly i'm honestly i i actually i've never really gone berserk is is i just kind of i've just i'm a i'm different in the sense that i, I kind of had to always keep my emotions perfectly in check around you know my dad mm-hmm. so um i i still appear a certain way but i'm really furious Mm -hmm. and then i freak out or i do something to the person and Mm -hmm. you know methodically or get Mm -hmm. mad Mm -hmm. and then so there's stupid shit but you know you can break break it down all day but you know i I don't know man you just sometimes you just gotta sock a motherfucker you just (laughs) you know when someone's disrespecting you you know if it's too much then you know it happens you know there's a time and a place and motherfucker comes out of pocket and yeah maybe what was the you remember the first fist fight you got into I remember the first time I officially lost a fight. Yeah, what was that? That was the first. The first, like, how say? Usually, it's like something like this dude's talking shit, and you're after class. Let's go, and yeah. then, and then the dude just like socked me in the sternum mm. and I <laughs> knocked my wind out. Yeah, and then you know, there's another time. It was like somebody's talking shit. We see each other after class, and then homie rushes me. And then like takes me down, and then you know, it's just like that. And so after like kind of like kind of like kind of quickly losing a couple fights then yeah. like i quickly i was like i learned the tricks yeah, yeah, <laughs> of what yeah. was used on me on other people and right. then, that and then it kind of kept going and kept going and kept going and then like there was a lot of peace and non-violence and then you know later on in my adulthood i got like jumped by like security staff at safari sam's mm. and then it like it clicked and all came back and then it just i was just like next person who fucks with me is gonna get it mm-hmm. so it's like that so it's just like you know you kind of like you know i don't i'm not one who intends to be a certain way i just you know you just kind of try to navigate your own mental shit yeah and, yeah but then the other weird part is I found to be kind of good at it for myself. And it's something that I actually... Yeah, you seem like you got heavy hands. It's just an appreciation of yeah. it. It's like, it's like artists can sometimes just be artists or sometimes be kind of like artist pugilist, like artist, poet, warrior kind of thing. So I see that a lot. And I see a lot of artists that are like that. And um, I think it's just part of It's something that... It's its own category of person, and but it's a real thing. It's like there's mechanics, there's engineers, and but there's also just warrior poets out yeah. there. So there's that. So it's not like it's a part of you know. I, I've never. I'll tell you a weird, weird thing. I've never been coordinated in sports. Yeah, but when I did boxing, 
when I fucked around and maybe did martial arts uh-huh. or something, like it was really, it really fit. It really worked it out. It made you. sense. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was, you know, you know, you like something when you know all the names of somebody or some shit like that. Yeah. And, you know. So did you grow up watching boxing and stuff like that? Then you grew up watching fucking, you know, Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> you yeah. grew up watching fucking Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee and shit. And, you know, like, no retreat, no surrender. Yeah, dude. Right. Our, ch- our childhood was like the fucking prime center <laughs> for action star. Like, dude, when we were kids, it's like karate movies are the were the shit. Fuck yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Fucking American Ninja and shit like that. Like, that's American what I American Ninja? Like, oh, my no God. No Retreat, No Surrender. No Retreat, No Surrender. <laughs> fucking like, Bloodsport. That's what we were. When, when we're kids, I feel like we grew up karate fighting each other. You know what I mean? And, yeah. like, you know, kids are sissies nowadays. Like, it's like you're not allowed to fucking play wrestle and shit or whatever. But, like, I grew up in a culture of honor as well where it's like I, I come from a place where, like, yeah, if you fucking look at someone's girlfriend the wrong way at the bar, they're probably going to beat you up afterwards. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? And so it was, like, definitely, like, trying not to fucking cause dust in there because admittedly i'm not a fighter you know what i'm saying yeah but at the same time it's still like playing as a child was roughhousing like that's what we yeah. did we roughhoused yeah. we fucking threw rocks at each other we f- you know like we fucked each other up pretty yeah. much. like and i feel like that's like a lost thing nowadays yeah no i feel you i feel i remember nasty injuries from rocks and oh, shit and, yeah yeah and terrible I mean, retarded we, we were stupid shit. we would have bb fights like we would put on <laughs> We put on fucking Carhartts uh, and like shoot beans. I have each other. like I have a tiny little dent from somebody slingshotting me. Whew. Yeah, slingshots are no fun. <laughs> Those are fucking. That's only a bad things that come. I got a body shot from a wrist rocket. You Ooh, know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. like it's you know it yeah. ain't you know people were just fucking kids were just different different yeah, time I guess. absolutely absolutely tell me about, about the double life that started with the rapping like what what age were you when you discovered rap is for you and did you have any like preferred music before that you know i say this because i don't know how or why but but like my first music where i consciously said to myself like my stepdad i give it up to him he had a he had good taste in music yeah he's like bumping he was like i think he's like a dj in spain Uh so like homie was always he always had like playing something good you know what i mean like so always something good you know but where he didn't go into was you know the stuff the angry stuff that came out in the 90s so it was like suicidal you know like nine inch nails pantera and that shit just was on mtv so i like that shit you know um that's when i first like got into music that i could like grab as my own so i did i mean i still like that shit it wasn't shit that i just like as a child like i'll go listen to pretty hate machine or you know fucking fucking suicidal's fucking art of rebellion or their first album you know or like whatever the fuck right so like it was like definitely like a you know that just thrashy fucking or just you know nine inch nails whatever so that was that and then what got me to answer your question what got me into hip-hop it had to be something something dark and aggressive and cool and then just at the time man it's saw like dos effects yeah they want effects and like it it really was like well this shit is dark and i heard the bass line and i was like yo you know and that would that's what really really got me into hip-hop now which, which is funny because like you also came up in the bloat and like they were very anti-dos effects weren't they they're like no stiggity diggities on fucking stage or something yeah well yeah no but this was before even i before rapped you knew about that, before yeah. i rapped before yeah. you know before there was any of that yeah. you know it was just it was still very you know so you know, um, so DOS effects got pulled you into the rap world. It, 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 it was like probably like, you know, other than like, 
I think just, you know, I think you could always appreciate. I remember like, you know, like Friends by Houdini. There was that. There was like Friends by Houdini. I remember that in the 80s. I remember really liking that song. I remember yeah. like B Street Breakdown by Melly Mel being that in the back of my head. But where I said I consciously like it, yeah. it was Das Effects. Yeah. But yeah. And then, you know, that became the way everybody rapped. So it became something. LA was like, fuck that shit. Right. And right. we're like, fuck the miggity, miggity, miggity. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the, that was the thing. They're like, we got a style with no nonsensical fucking. Yeah, we're, they said there were going to be no nonsense about it. You know, and LA was real no nonsense at the time. They were just really, really, really like, it was a real tough crowd, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but that's, that's later. So that getting into rapping, rapping, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, basically, like, so you get into DOS effects, and then when you decide, like, oh, I'm going to pick up a pen. Well, I know. So that way after that, where I decided to pick up a pen to see my, my boy, Chris, who was also like an artist, uh-huh. you know, who's like also kind of like my mentor. He was like the older homie. Yeah. Um, you know, he was uh, just incredible, incredible artist. And so he was just kind of my mentor. Um, and then, you know, he was just into hip hop. So by then it was just like really, really like, you know, like organized confusion. Is he, is he like a few years older than you? Yeah. Or? Yeah. He's like four years old. Yeah. How do you meet him? I met him through his brother. His brother would bring his artwork in junior high, okay. and he was like, "Whoa, this is just I, mean, I finally got to meet Chris." You know, Chris was in high school at the time. Yeah. You know, and so, um, you know, and they were like in organized confusion and all that stuff. And by then, by then, you know, there was just really right, right, right there. It was like ninety three, ninety four, where shit got really crazy. You know, so with with you know that Dante Ross, all the good stuff. Yeah. You know, the, in the nineties, that was like where we could hold on to it came out. So yeah. that's really when it kind of started kicking in. By 95 is really when I started rapping. Yeah. Side note real quick, because I always uh, love uh, people that grew up in L.A. I like to ask them, like, what was it like during the riots for you? Well, I got to see the fire, you know, from where I was living. You know, I mean, like it was just kind of like a hectic feeling. You know, it was definitely like a hectic crazy feeling you know yeah. what i mean like i wasn't down there You're not i down, wasn't yeah. down there yeah. you know i wasn't like in the fucking i wasn't in South it, obviously but as like a, as a fucking young kid around that time like could you guys feel the effects there was were? like marches and riots kind of like in school mm. i don't know they just kind of everybody now started picking up this kind of feeling of you got to freak out yeah and then they kind of never lost it and now you just get laker games with fucking riots yeah and, but sports are famous for having stupid riots. Absolutely. I just think that people were like, they started like learning that. So, But then what happened was is police became more police state-like and they started, you know, putting pressure on people in general. I feel like that was just right at this perfect time. You were in your formative youth years where it was like, did that help a rebellious spark in you as well? Did you kind of see and understand what was going on and be like, and also being on some like, man, fuck the police type of shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like when that kind of shit Nobody, happens right when you're at that age, it's like. No kid needs like that much, you know, um, um, how should I say, uh, motivation to say, man, I really don't like this. I don't think anybody really, really goes and says, you know, thank you, may I have another when they're being controlled in some way, when yeah. they're just, you know, when they're, you know, f- supposed to be free, but then somebody can come on the street and tell them, hey, you know, what are you doing with that? You know, right. and so nobody likes that shit. Yeah. Nobody likes some people will express it less than others, but like, you know, like definitely in hip hop, when you're, when you're in hip hop, when you're into hip hop, you're like, you definitely have that attitude. Mm. You know, you listen to KRS one or something like that. Yeah. 
you're definitely like, yeah, I knew it all along. You know, you don't go and say Karis one was right, right? But you're definitely like, mm, it's in there. It's in your collect. It's in the conscience and in the conscious and collective conscience. Yeah, yeah. So Chris takes you under his wing and you start rapping. Yeah, because he started, you know, rapping. Yeah. So you Did know, he ever get anywhere with it? No, we'll see. That's a tragic story because you know he he kind of like something happened to him psychologically where he kind of didn't come back from it and he kind of stayed where he was at mm-hmm. and became you know he's his life completely changed he just was no longer the same his sanity left him Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like it was it was a weird thing it was kind of like now it's just me what was that like to watch that happening it was fucked up yeah what was was like schizophrenia or something is i think he did some bad acid or something and then just in a bad environment and then you know he stayed got stuck wherever that was Uh. and it messed up because he almost he got an internship with uh, wildstorm studios which was image comics Mm mm-hmm and so he was like, he like made it for all of us, mm-hmm. you know, and he kind of came from an abusive childhood. Yeah. So, you know, he came back from San Diego and then there was like this different person. And this guy was like my big brother. Mm. You know, it was like, it was weird because we lost touch. He wouldn't call for a while. And then all of a sudden he comes back and you're like, what's going on? And then you kind of find out the hard way. I didn't get a heads up from his mom. I didn't get a heads up from anybody. I don't mm. know if they were embarrassed or didn't get it fully yet but Mm. then you know little by little so you know and eventually it just got so bad that he was out on the street and kind of shit and i would Mm. see him on the street i'd be at a bus stop and he'd be there and i'd be like what the fuck so yeah there was all this you know but that was fucked up yes yeah Yeah. Yeah. so it was kind of like that's another thing that really kind of like pushed me forward into it as well because were you guys were you guys experimenting with drugs together at that time no just him yeah Yeah, just by himself just him so Have you ever been big into drugs? I don't think so. I mean, no, I mean, you know, you enjoy what you enjoy, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like everybody's different body chemistry wise. So certain yeah. things affect people. Other people don't like it doesn't like I don't get a crazy feeling when I smoke weed. So uh, I yeah. can't. I mean, it's no so big. Not into it. It's not a big fucking deal for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like alcohol is cool, yeah, you know, yeah. and I'm probably if I did some some meth or coke, I'd probably love it. So I don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm too. There's, yeah, that's, everybody's got a different body chemistry, yeah. so you know I'm one of those people. You know, yeah, yeah. You got to stay away from the things that you would like too much. Yeah, or else I'll just to be a tweaker. Or yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'd be a crackhead. You no, know, what I, I'm saying? I feel you, man. When do you start taking buses to go rap places? Uh, yeah, ninety five, yeah. ninety five, uh, ninety six. You know, ninety six. What was the was scene really ba- like back then? It's crazy because that's like even that seems to me like to even predate like the quote unquote underground that we know today. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it had to be mega underground back then. Well, um, it was definitely exciting. Yeah. It was definitely you had to know how to rap and you had to, you know, you grab the mic and, or get it snatched away from you and you mm-hmm. really say something interesting. And what places were you going? Poisonous Records. What, what is that? That was like this fucking, I actually just found clips of me on YouTube. Um, and it was just like this old, it was this record store that would have an open mic in Hollywood. Uh-huh. So it was like people from Good Life and Big Al would go down there and just like when he wanted to get, you know, his practice in and didn't want to, you know, good life wasn't happening. He'd go up there, and he yeah. was one of the people. And Who else would you run into? Man, I don't. Man, there was this incredible dude. Like, and only like me, Merce, and Will. Will I am know who he is. Like, out of the old school people, yeah. and like this guy named his name was Ken Dog, and then he named himself Cerebral, and he was just like. Before anybody ever heard of Eminem, he was incredible like that. He was this this dude who was just incredible at freestyling, incredible at writing, and he was just like this this like real f- 
like chubby, like half white, half Mexican dude. He was like shaped like Eric. He looked like Eric from uh, oh, Cartman from, from Cartman South from Park. South Park. Yeah. He looked like Cartman from South Park. He kind of looked like Sam Kinison. He was a real funny, crazy person. Yeah. And homie was like the most incredible rapper I ever heard. And was, what got me to freestyle was Supernatural. But then, then I heard this guy and I was like, whoa, this dude was like, he blew Saphir and Casual and everybody away. Really? He was incredible. He was beyond just and, incredible. And then what? He just disappears? Um, he's like the he's like a Bobby Fisher. He ends up just kind of disappearing later on, like maybe two years later. No shit. He ended up uh, going to jail. Uh, for distribution and then he comes back and then he just kind of kind of disappears and then like i see him in ladera heights one day with like his wife and kids and he surfs he was just a sociopathic crazy motherfucker he had he is so incredible because i think part of the reason he was so good at what he, he did was he was um he was like a pathological liar mm. so he would just lie to say shit and he was elaborate at it. yeah and yeah. it was like an crazy dude and yeah. he and if he he like would sell crack and like and do all this crazy shit and then but just be like this underground rapper but then be this crazy per- it was a crazy person yeah you could make a movie about him yeah. you know what I mean yeah, but yeah. he was kind of a Bobby Fisher yeah. whoever heard him knew what I'm knew, knows who I'm talking yeah. about so you, you so you used to run into Merce and Will I Am back then too that was now now so then after Poisonous Records yeah. I go to this thing called Foundation Funk Collective and the Foundation Funk Collective where was that at that so that was the when I went to it it was at across from the old Glam Slam at like this kind of shelter in downtown uh-huh. and this place was and like downtown was like a shithole back then it was a shithole up until two thousand and one yeah. two thousand and three maybe yeah so like that's it was like shady to go downtown. Yeah, it was shady. You, if you wanted to cop or whatever, there's just no nothing there. There's just nothing. It was a ghost town. It was like just an army of homeless people mm-hmm. and and crackheads. Mm-hmm. So, but um, you know, you go down there to rap, and it was cool. It was like it's just these really like it was all kinds of the scene in L.A. was like there was just like 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 30 rappers from pasadena that were fucking incredible at rapping and freestyling and then like fools from la and you know what i'm saying and like first time i met, met merce uh, my boy quasi introduced me to him there's this crew called lost kids and mm-hmm. they don't even rap anymore and shit mm-hmm. well actually faze still raps uh uh shouts out to phase rock but like you know he introduced me as kid merce and we were like the same age and mm-hmm. you know like he was always competitive dude you know um, you know, and then, yeah, and unity was happening around that time and all that shit. So the, the scene was very, uh, kind of, it had a dangerous feeling cause the gang activity was always kind of surrounding it. Um, you know, especially if you go down to good life, especially if you go down to project blow and there was a point where good life and project blow was going on at the same time. So you go to the good life and then you go to project blow and it was just always something to prove, especially if you weren't black if you weren't black i mean you white was probably the worst thing to be just just but if you just weren't black or you didn't look black me i don't look a certain way so it was just as tough yeah you know you definitely have to prove yourself yeah slow down a sec the places that you're going like the spot downtown like what was the format like like what what would happen at those places the format wasn't anything special it wasn't like project load where they boo you they you know they let you rap and then but you know eventually somebody grabbed the mic it's just an open mic it was an open mic and was it mainly people freestyling or were you out there like putting on beats that you wanted to rap to and doing songs foundation was definitely so there was this thing going on in la there was people yes there was people breakdancing but there was people grooving so there would be these circles of people grooving it's something that doesn't even happen anymore grooving Grooving is this thing where you go in and you do like as a 
it's a very kind of like think like drunken master kind of like freestyle you stumble mm-hmm. and you make up the moves as you go along it's very improvisational mm-hmm. and motherfuckers were grooving so they would always be like grooving circles no matter where you'd go mm-hmm. and then yeah fools like rapping and shit mm-hmm. you know and yeah and there would be people breakdancing what kind of beats are they playing like break beats or just like 12 inch singles that are out at the time everything or? you know everything from fucking you know just fucking mob deep you know like the the all you know all like the good 90s shit from the east coast like i did remember rapping to a wc in the mad circle beat a lot with i forget the name of that shit but you know like they would yeah definitely be playing like you know like west coast shit you know i i don't think they would be playing any like any like uh snoop or or like tupac or anything like that back then just because back then to everybody that was the mainstream mainstream. that was the mainstream tupac was the mainstream bone was the mainstream so that they would be like no 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 whatever they felt on that so they would be bumping anything they felt was underground or you know what i mean underground was really underground back then you know what i mean so there was just that. There was, you know, motherfuckers be lighting a lot of incense and wearing a lot of fucking body oils and smoking a lot of fucking BDs and clothes and shit. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so there was that. What, what were you dressing like at that time? Um, what was the style? I mean, I just, what I wore, I wore kind of like, I wore camouflage. I wore like, like a, you know, like a faded, faded green uh, jacket and shit. Did you, you have know? a backpack? I think I did have a backpack, <laughs> yeah, but you I didn't have, have a backpack. You know, I had I always had trouble with my hair, man, because I like so I like put a hairnet on just to keep my hair in line, so I'd have my hair slicked back. What's wrong with your hair? My hair is just super coarse, man. Yeah. So like, it, just it stands not, up straight. It stands up straight, crazy cowlicks. It's yeah. real, you know, curly. <laughs> so you were wearing a hairnet? I'd wear a hairnet just to like slick it back. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, and I never not had like consciously or unconsciously. I think everybody like would just wear their dickies or like yeah. fucking Cortezes. Yeah, or, yeah. like just i was just there it was something you dressed at at the same time wearing a hairnet and like being like you said one of the dudes at the spots that's not black yeah was it part of like was it almost subconsciously i'm, I'm gonna be extra chicano and fucking wear a hairnet no back. no it's not nothing i no. really thought about yeah. it's just how the fuck else was i gonna yeah. keep my hair down but was that ever a thing where people were like oh yeah rhetoric he's the chicano rapper no nobody especially back then yeah nobody wanted that yeah. nobody wanted anything to do with that was the other thing that nobody wanted anything to fucking do with in underground rap in underground hip-hop in the scene in la for sure nobody wanted anything to do with that if you came in there rapping like that then you would have gotten booed so fucking quick really yeah 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 like what like rapping in spanish and shit no rapping like fucking like you know how like chicano rap like yeah, you yeah. like you sound like some like you sounded like if you sounded You're like so cool i'm gonna call you a cool right if you did anything like kid frost anything that sounded like anything that was on the radio whether it was chicano or or whatever yeah they would you know no it wouldn't have been accepted because it was at the time again it was it was mainstream yeah and that's just it was a very anti-mainstream uh mentality honestly yeah. it was like a People made their career talking about underground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even up until 1999, you had like Sunspot Jones and like, you know, the living legends like talking about like four track, yeah. you know, underground, you know, for life kind of thing. Like everybody, you know, because because already. So now also you have rappers getting rejected by the mainstream. You had like AC alone getting getting dropped by capital uh-huh. you know so you had like always there was always like a us versus them weird mentality so you know and then there was this resentment already um you know because 
you in your own underground head, you're like, that shit is all that shit is like represents all the fucking shitheads to me in my life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like that's how it felt in the nineties for us. I you know, I'm definitely like that's the reality of it. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if it was gonna be something from the West Coast, it was gonna be our fucking thing. Yeah. It was gonna be our thing that sounded like our thing. You know? Yeah. So like when Pistol Grip Pump hit on the radio like were you around that or like was that were you a part of that scene already no 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 i wasn't part of that scene i wasn't part of the good life i wasn't i rapped at the good life yeah. i did i got to rap like one time at the good life that shit was packed yeah i got to rap at the good life how did it go it was cool yeah it was cool booed? i didn't get booed nice it was cool <laughs> yeah perfect. right for real yeah yeah i didn't get booed but um you know, I, I mean, I got to rap a Project Blow It early on and, you know. Yeah, when does the transition go from, you know, Poisonous Records to Foundation to where you're starting to, like, hear about Good Life and Project Blow It? Or did those already have, like, kind of a, did those already have a, na- a big name for themselves? Were they kind of legendary at that point? Well, at the time, yeah. now, um, Good Life subsides and it's Project Blow It and Foundation. Yeah. And Foundation was lesser known, but there would be kind of, like, battles between the two. So there was just these undocumented battles where, like, it was just be like somebody from, you know, would like be like a back and forth. And were you more known as a foundation rapper than a Project Load rapper at the time? It wasn't like that for yeah. me. It was just kind of like I was rapping at wherever I was rapping. Right. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. But like, it was definitely I was watching it happen. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it was like it was like my boy Cerebral versus Kinky Red, or like it was like the Rhyme Stalkers versus like 2,000 Crows. Uh-huh. You feel me? It's like so 2,000 Crows was still you know affiliated with Project blow it at the at the time or that area coming from that area you know so you have people from you know you have people from northeast la and hollywood versus people from south central basically that's what it was and then nobody thought of it that way but you know if you look at where they were both coming from right that's what it was so there was like you know and there was just like you know project blow had a very kind of like you know you were you were you know you had to qualify and this and that and some people took they were resentful to that mm. you know what i mean and they were like no fuck that so y'all and then, and then y'all and then you know some people had the attitude it was like oh all you guys do is style so one of the things that were always being said was you know oh yeah all those guys do is they style and they rap like oh, but, oh, but, and they make fun of them or or and then the project blow dudes would be like making fun of like fools like oh y'all rap like east coast like you, you know like shit so it, it was like always like this interesting tension but either way motherfuckers could really fucking freestyle and could really fucking rap and and half of them aren't even around anymore and half of the like i said like that fool cerebral who like you know even like will i am knows who he is um you know that he's not around anymore he's like a bobby fisher and by the way will i am was like this incredible incredible yeah where would you see him at foundation he would be at foundation yeah you know and per se like i said he wasn't like oh i'm a foundation you know rapper yeah but um you know um yeah, I mean, he was just there. He was there. Actually, I think Black Eyed Peas played their their first show there as Black Eyed Peas, and like not as At Band Clan, Bla- yeah. Black Eyed Peas. Really? Yeah. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's still a trip to me to have seen Black Eyed Peas get as crazy huge as they are. Because like I remember seeing them at the Glass House in like 2001, and like <laughs> 200 people were there. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're break dancing on stage and shit. Yeah, the, well, those guys were uh, in, incredible dancers. But you know, you always got to remember is like is Will was in was at Band Clan, and they were on Easy E's Ruthless label. Yeah, he got taken under the wing of Jerry Heller, right? Well, I don't, I wouldn't say that. It's just they were a talent. They were on Ruthless Records. Yeah, it was yeah. like before Bone. They were on Ruthless Records. Uh-huh. 
you know, but Will I Am was this just incredibly, incredibly talented just dancer and rapper and producer. So he was just all over the place. Could you already just tell even back then? No, like everybody, everybody could tell. Yeah. And but there was another thing is, is like his happy ass was so good at freestyling is like sometimes, you know, when everybody was all like, yeah, rah, 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 you know, he would come in there and kill it. Really? You know what I mean? Like killing just incredible freestyles. And there was one time I was like, I heard a story about him going down to Project Blow and battling like 2,000 crows and like battling like 10 dudes and like right. taking them out. And it's not something that I would be surprised to hear because Will was an incredible, incredible freestyle, incredible rapper. Really? You know, it's just he chose he had a pop sensibility yeah. and he chose to do what he well, did. Well, a lot of people, I feel like you would agree with this, a lot of people that can freestyle really well sometimes that doesn't cross over into writing songs. So it's a rare talent when somebody can write songs, particularly with a pop sensibility and be able to freestyle. He's just one of those people it's, that could do anything. He was a fucking savant, you know, but yeah, he just knew how to do what he did. Yeah. You know? And like, you know, you may like what he does or you may not, but you yeah. know, I, I know the, I know the talent, you know, inside out pretty much from what I've seen. And yeah. that dude can really do anything. Yeah, I like what he does because I, I like getting money. You know, <laughs> <laughs> And that's what he does. Gets that. No, no but, but homie could really I rip it. it. Really I mean, rip did it. You, and at that point, did you, was he making beats and stuff? Like, did you already know he was like, could make dope music and shit too? Well, yeah. I mean, he, he was actually in his own way. He was, uh, he was uh, definitely pushing uh, the envelope because before anybody in hip hop was really into it, he was uh, fucking around with like bossa nova rhythms and stuff. And this was before anybody was really into that shit. And he was fucking around with those kinds of time signatures on his own. So he, you know, he was quite a visionary in his in you know and really but you know like i said like uh, if you're you know if uh, people are you know they think what they think yeah. but you know the truth is the truth he's an incredibly talented person yeah i uh i recorded uh, my first track on a dat down the street that used to be the old black eyed Peas studios like right down the street from here no shit yeah that's crazy when do you make the jump like when i met you you were introduced to me as a bloaty and like it's like this is rhetoric he's yeah. a bloaty and like when did that when did that become a thing the um you know it's just funny that people considered me uh from project bloat but you know i guess the powers that be uh did not really consider me project bloat i've never been on a you know show i never you know what i mean i never kind of like worked that hard to be in it and therefore some people work hard and they stick around and then they get accepted or they don't. And I was never one of those people. You know, I rapped all over the place where I give a fuck about rapping, you know, so I'd be at Elements. I'd be wherever the fuck. So I never kind of did that. I never put in that work. And, um, you know, but, you know, I was definitely always uh, accepted and respected by Mike and I and, you know, by AC. You know, they always gave me love. So I gave respect to the, the people that were the foundation of that creativity, but not the frat. You know, so but sometimes people would consider me that, you know, Project right. Blow. But I never consider myself Project Blow. Um, if it was a flyer, motherfuckers would throw it on there. But you know what I mean? Like, but, you know, like I said, if you're going to be Project Blow, then put me on a show, put me this, put me that. But, right. you know, it's like it works a certain way. OK. And then that's all, you know, it's it's all subjective. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, you know, but never really. Yeah. But you, I was introduced to you like that. But really, I was never officially that. OK. Yeah. I didn't know that. Learn, yeah. learn something new every day yeah 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 i also think i was you were introduced to me as kind of a live wire too were you a live wire back then <laughs> Un unpredictable i don't know man i think people just kind of thought of me as a loose cannon man yeah why um i don't know man i just think i just say whatever the fuck was on my mind you know i was kind of like i was kind of like i don't know i had like a 
punk rock weird way about me. I, I used to be like, you know, fuck that, fuck this, fuck that kind of way yeah, of, yeah. of being, I guess, you know, I had an attitude because, you know, I kind of like, I kind of seen now three waves of trends come in and out of LA. So once you kind of see like a new wave and a new wave after a new wave, you're just kind of like, you kind of develop a chip on your shoulder and attitude. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, and live wire, I don't know, just I kind of like abrasive dude. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Kind of yeah. an abrasive dude, I guess maybe, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like a, you know. Right, right. So. And what was the first project that you released? The first project was Machine Gun Cough. What year was that? That was 03. 03. Yeah. Yeah. And is it still around? Can you find it places? I think there's some fucking Spaniard bootlegging my shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I looked on there. There's some Spaniard bootlegging my shit. I'll, I'll re-release it. And you know, Bandcamp, Bandcamp. I got it up on Bandcamp. Yeah. What other projects have you released? Let's talk about some of the music you put out. Okay. Uh, the music I put out. Music. This is like I had like a a seven inch before that. It was put out um, under Sub Level Epidemic, and it was like a I was like the B side of that. It was I was on the B side, and it was like Anti MC did the B, mm -hmm. and it was a track called Cruise Control. And uh, the A-side was, like, radioinactive. Mm -hmm. and so that was, like, the first probably, like, official release. There was this weird CD called Full Blown before that that I was had a verse on a group project of all these rappers that decided not to name themselves. and But the rest of the compilation had, like, Slug's early shit, Aesop Rock's early shit, all these motherfuckers really early shit before they blew up. And I was on that Full Blown compilation. Oh, who put that out? This fucking label from Texas that doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, that's crazy. That's yeah. tight. Now that's so so I sorry, I went backwards. So there was the full blown oh, there was cassettes that floated around of a group called Top of the Food Chain that I was part of. Uh-huh. So that was like me, Cerebral, Krang, uh, Drift, you know, and yeah. So um so there was the, you know, top of the food chain, there's like cassettes floating around. Then there was this full blown compilation, then there was this a seven inch vinyl um and then there was uh the verse on the bus driver temporary forever mm -hmm. called somethingness which was kind of like notorious yeah why was that notorious that i think that was more i think rather than live wire that's what i meant is like you had a notorious <laughs> verse on a bus driver i had a notorious verse why on was a, it notorious because i did i did the whole verse racist shit i said racist shit about like blacks and whites and mexicans and it was incredibly racist. But like tongue in cheek or was it really? Like, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it was kind of like I was on some Lenny Bruce shit. I was just like, you know, take a joke. You know, everybody's so serious about shit. Yeah. You know, and um, I did like this verse and it was just like really crazy. Yeah. On, you know, this really artsy rapper's album. Yeah. Who was already this crazy sounding dude. Yeah. And then they get this crazy verse on there and like. People were like, you said the N-word, you said, you know, honky, you said beaner, like, you said all that shit. And you're like, you know, what nationality is rhetoric? And they're like, oh, well, rhetoric's Dominican. And I was like, oh, so he just doesn't look black. I was like, no, not if you, you know, mostly don't look at him at a certain angle. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just like. What was the reaction like to that initially? No, nah, the reaction was like, I think the honest reaction was pretty fun. Like, people liked it, you yeah. know? You know, I had like that uh, Chew from Project Blow pull me aside and give me like a whole lecture about it. You know, I know there's people that didn't like it. Uh -huh. And I kind of feel like it affected me because, uh -huh. you know, like, you know, like they only heard like the black 
you know, the black racist stuff. So then they were just like, oh, you know, like, fuck that fool. You know, like, on the low, kind of fuck that shit. Like, Chu was the only person that came up to me and said, you know, that's not cool, la, la, la. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, yo, that's double standard. You right, know? What right. do you, and what, what do you think I am? You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I'm not the man holding the whip. Like, I'm giving you a perspective. You right, know, like, right. I'm playing, I'm playing with the irony of a, a person of color speaking this way. Right, you know what I mean? Right. That's what the fuck I was doing. Right. You know, I was, I was willing to push that boundary. I was willing to make people experience that. Right. And which uh, kind of ties into your fucking punk rock attitude yeah like fuck it all type shit well yeah i'm a big see i'm a big 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 fan of uh fear and yeah. fear was this group of leaving and the lead singer would just like you know do a lot of stuff that was like contrary to what people's political ideas were and you know piss people off yeah a lot a lot of crazy. punk rock is subversive and you know uh, uh, abrasive for the point of being abrasive you know to make people think you know what i mean yeah so i was like that was my thing back then you know at, at, you know i was really really like kind of absorbed by that punk rock attitude yeah. so i was like let me do something let me let me make a point in that way yeah. you know what i mean it's like what would make what would people say to me if i sounded like a racist white person yeah. speaking about black people if i sounded like you know like somebody like racist talking about white people if i sounded like somebody racist talking about mexicans what would people say right you know what i mean and would people ask me what nationality i am or would they go automatically like put you into like you're you a know? white dude right yeah right yeah yeah so you know you start you do something racist you're gonna be considered like tantamount to like a fucking nazi right that's it yeah yeah so people are gonna overlooked that so that was my like experiment that was probably the first and last time i was ever artsy on a song you know what i'm saying why what would you call yourself now oh i would never call myself anything i mean i was always always with the philosophy of doing cutting cutting pushing the envelope and being soulful yeah that's what i always that was always my mentality is like you know pushing the envelope and being soulful so that was my whole thing you know what i mean like keeping it funky but like doing something that i thought was interesting because i listen to so much music so well, what I would say I am now is the same thing I've always been. You know, I've just always been the person. I've always been, you know, willing to, you know, like draw it up and make something that was like, you know, that I felt had teeth, man. I feel like music doesn't have much balls. You know, I feel like I felt like hip hop lost a lot of its balls. You know, yeah. I felt like punk uh, early hardcore had balls and I feel like hip hop didn't. So I, I felt like I was like and I already, you know, I'm a ballsy person anyway, so it's just me, my personality. Yeah. You know? So nowadays you're working with Hellfire Club. Yeah. You just put out a project. Well, I just put out Dear Diary. Yeah. So Dear Diary came out the 26th of March. Yeah. And you know, it's, are you happy with it? Yeah. You, you, guys, you took your time with it. I took my fucking time with it. It's yeah. been going swimmingly. You know, yeah. it's been going cool. Dear Diary comes from a reference to like what became sort of your meme in the battle rap world. Yeah. Yeah. That became my little meme. It was a. Uh, it was my sketch comedy. It was me fucking. It was me. You know, upright citizens brigading, uh, battle rapping. Yeah. You know, I how, how did you get involved with the the acapella battle rapping? Actually, man, honestly, the person who got me involved in the acapella battle rapping, you could say was was no can do was, but it really wasn't. It was is actually dumbfounded that directly got me into it. He asked me to do the bar exam, so I did the bar exam. I said I wasn't going to battle. I said battling to be to me battling is something I always I always always tongue in cheek about. Yeah, I didn't care as much about it because I felt like I've been through that 
like, you know, seven years before I already said to myself, I don't want to battle. So when I battled at the world rap at the, you know, the world rap WRC, I was like, already, I was like, fuck it. I'll do it. You know, like the homie asked me to do it. I want to do it. Let me see if I can do it. All right. I did it. Yeah. You know, and then like, fucking. And then it became a thing. You got pretty good at it. People liked watching you. I got pretty good at doing me, so yeah. then people like that for better or for worse. They yeah, hated yeah. it or loved it. They were polarized by it, and they felt the fucking way that they felt. Yeah. But it, it didn't really reflect me because it was something that I did reluctantly and kind of tongue-in-cheek. I feel like a lot of people that make music that get into the battle rapping, they they feel that way. Like, they feel like, ah, I, I, I fucking did it reluctantly. Well, and, like, you- now I'm known for that, and, like, goddamn it. And some people embrace it and want to go that route forever, yeah, and, like, yeah. that's their job now. Yeah. And then other people, you know, like you are like, ah, you know, I fucking love making music, and battle rapping isn't really me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you know, and then it turns into, like, this weird curse and whatever. This and you, weird duality almost. You go, you go with it or you don't or whatever yeah. the fuck, like, but, you know, um, I'm a, I'm a multifaceted person, so I could joke around in a battle and, and you know, it may not always be me, you yeah. know, but uh, I loved it for what it was and it was fun as fuck. But, yeah, I yeah. mean, but the Dear Diary, if you're asking if the, how that came about, yeah, yeah. the Dear Diary thing was me, you know, me and Dumbfounded on tour, we were joking and I would make up these scenarios where I started off with reading a diary entry of what the guys were doing to me on tour. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you know, like, dear Dude, tours always have the best inside yeah. jokes. Yeah. So it was like, and I was like, you know, I was like, dear diary, you know, um, today the guys, you know, put their test, woke me up with, <laughs> no, to, to, yeah, dear diary, you today know, today they shoved a slim Jim up my ass. Today the guy, today the guys, uh, woke me up, uh, by teabagging me. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know it was like um, I wonder if that's considered breakfast in bed. The end. You know what I mean? And then like you say something like that, but you keep going. It was actually really funny yeah, when we yeah, did it. So so, so it was kind of like over into the it after. came from that. So you know I was like, so I did this, and so my first battle was against Open Mike. Yeah, and that was what it oh, was. That was your first one. Right, that was, I was my thinking first about one. that this morning because I knew I was going to interview you, and I'm thinking about that. I was like, "Oh man, I remember that battle, and I remember I was supposed to judge it." And I was like, "Sorry, man, I'm not judging this one because you guys are both my friends, and I don't want to fucking pick sides afterwards." And like, you know, that was a that was a fucking good battle. It was close. It was good. That was fun. You know, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, but you know that that shit is just you know it is what it is, yeah. man. Like you know, it's like how yeah. how serious you want to take yeah. that. Are shit. you still doing the the battling at all anymore? Nah. Yeah. Man. I'm so so like you know intuition. I'm gonna climb like a social ladder of of like ran by like by kids who decided to battle rap as a hobby got very good at it yeah and i'm gonna climb that social ladder for what yeah you know what i'm saying like you know yeah it's an interesting social structure that's great but uh you know that period it's it's, it's kind of in its own little world it's really its own little world man it's its own little league and it's it's its own thing and you know it's sometimes like you like i said you could sit there and work at it all day and you could be yeah. like but you know what so saying the thing is the same thing that that i use in my songwriting is is me and me i'm not a very similar person to a lot of people i'm different yeah, yeah. right so i'm i'm not gonna be the guy pushing the envelope in a in a social structure of you know i'm not that that's yeah. what i do music so yeah. that's what i'd rather be putting my energy into Word. you know yeah what's next for you so what's next for me is definitely this hellfire 
you know, Hellfire crew tape. The compilation. Yeah, the Tukey versus Dorner. Okay. It's a crew tape. Yeah. It's not a compilation because okay, there's full on cuts with us. There's a cut with me and No Can. There's a cut with the whole crew. Yeah. There's solo cuts for each of us, but it's it's the crew tape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the crew Tom. Yeah. You know? <laughs> When's that dropping? Do you guys know yet? Uh, you know, I just, it's, uh, I don't know what yeah. the, the details were, yeah. are yet, but that's, that's next. That's going to be featuring you, Kale, No Can, Verbs, Mike, who else? Milo, Bus Driver. Bus Milo, open mic, verbs. Yeah, you know. I'm looking forward to that too. I Hell some yeah, of it, it, looks, it, looks, it sounds tight. Yeah. Uh, are you working on solo stuff again? Yeah, I'm working on solo shit. I'm I'm kind of like teaching, you know, working how you know learning, learning, working how to make beats and yeah. shit like that, yeah. and you know, just kind of like expressing the whatever's with the writing instrumentally too, because that's another piece of me as yeah, well. So. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it, man. I thank you for coming in. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's tell the people uh, where to find you online. The Twitter at is R H E T E R I C. So at rhetoric, right? Facebook. Facebook. Fuck. It's like something rhetoric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something rhetoric. Bandcamp. The Bandcamp band is the forward slash uh, rhetoric. Okay. Um. You know, Instagram is R E T E R I C. You know, um, SoundCloud is Rhetoric Ramirez 1. The YouTube is The Ramirez 138. You know what I'm saying? Dave, you all over the place. We all over the place. Yeah. yeah, so find him online. Just Google Rhetoric. You'll find all kinds of shit. Google fucking Rhetoric. He's out here. R-H-E-T-E-R-I-C. Rhetoric Ramirez. Ramirez. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, man, thank you for coming in. My name is Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. My man Ben Shin behind the boards suffering through the heat in Atwater Village today. I can see him sweating. <laughs> He's back there making it sound buttery. Follow him at I Am Database, base with two S's. Check that iTunes for Dear Diary. Yeah, check the iTunes for Dear Diary. You know who speaks highly of Dear Diary is uh, Gavin. Uh, you know, uh, Deacon. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Deacon. Uh, we were talking about you the other day. He was fucking raving about it. Fuck so, yeah. Yeah, good guy. If you can follow us on Twitter at That's Kinda Neat, and you can find everything at kindaneat.net, the content portal. We're going to have a video up on youtube.com slash that's kind of neat of rhetoric performing. What song are you going to perform? Roskin Doblin. Boom. So, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. That was Rhetoric Ramirez, and this was Kinda Neat. Mm-hmm.